No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into His Hardline. Welcome. Glad to have you all here. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. This is the only place where you're going to get God and Jesus Christ mixed in with a little true history of America, mixed in with instructions on how to assemble your nation. We're here to implement solutions that will help restore this republic. But most importantly, we're also here to help America and the rest of the world to invite Jesus Christ into their heart. It's time to take back our nation. It's time to take back our world, ladies and gentlemen. And you can find us here six out of the seven days a week. So be sure to share this with your friends and family. Don't forget, don't forget. Sovereignty itself is, of course, not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. Welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Woo! <laughs> yeah! Let's get rocking. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, because they are the ones in the captain's chair. They are the host. They are the boss. They're in charge. They're behind the wheel, and therefore they are steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life. But like I always say on this show, like the Bible proclaims over 365 times, fear not. Don't fear, ladies and gentlemen. Put your faith and trust 100% in God and the Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because we may be going through a storm, but they're in charge. And the sooner you start realizing that they're in charge and you give up complete surrender of your life to them, to God the Father and to to Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you right now, your ship is going to get steered into that safe harbor so you can anchor that ship and get your feet on dry land and truly live in peace and free once and for all. And and ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't say that lightly. That's exactly what we're doing, trying to get God back at the center of this nation and by reassembling our states and returning to our original jurisdiction by getting our power back to the people. It's going to take a lot of education. A lot of people need to realize just exactly who they are. So welcome. Glad to have you here. It is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. 
And I want to say thank you for joining us on this episode 412. And we're going to be doing a reading out of Isaiah chapter 46. And, uh, and then we're going to continue reading the Article 1, Sections 6 through 10 in the Constitution for the United States of America. So real quick, just kind of scrolling through some quick headlines on the Gateway Pundit. Let's kind of see what kind of distractive uh, noise is going on over there. So as I scroll here, I'm on Telegram, so I, I subscribe to their thing. It makes it a little easier for me to scroll through articles that I kind of want to just kind of pop in on. But this is really interesting. U.S. government approves world's first vaccine for honeybees. What in the sand blankety blank is that going to do? The way I look at it, it's like they're trying to just get at one more healthy source for us that we use, such as honey, and try to, you know, contaminate that too with their little micro, you know, organism, GMO, geo-tracking, you know, nanotech probably. I mean, this is ridiculous. Why do they need to vaccinate bees? Why not vaccinate, I don't know, mosquitoes? I mean, they're the ones always pricking us anyways and causing us to itch. Vaccinate those things. Make them go away. I hate mosquitoes. But I seriously, all, all kidding aside, I see no point in vaccinating honeybees. I mean, I didn't know that they were dealing with viruses and stuff like that, that we needed to vaccinate them. Are they dealing with COVID? I don't know. It's very nuts. Here's another sad little story. Um, one of many angels, of course, that are, you know, becoming a victim of this system, getting picked off because, you know, they have parents that are being complete, you know, complicit and they're ignorant. This little kindergarten student in Ohio dies suddenly. How many of these are we going to see? Tragedy struck the community of Huron, Ohio Sunday when a young child died unexpectedly. Shawnee Elementary School announced the death of Evelyn Bauer, a kindergarten student attendant, attending the school. I'm sorry, but um, little kids just don't die suddenly. I mean, they do see, it seems like that's the trend now, but I'm sorry. That's not, I mean, I guarantee you, and I'm not trying to make assumptions here. Again, there could be any, you know, underlying, there could be any amount of underlying, you know, causes for death. Okay. I'm not going to be oblivious to that fact, but let's, let's be very honest and clear about one fact. Ever since the rollout of these COVID death jabs and these clot shots, Let's be honest. There has been a sudden increase in heart attacks and strokes and myocarditis and periocarditis and giant blood clots that coroner or not coroners, but um, funeral home directors are finding in cadavers. I mean, this is not a normal thing. Moving on to the next subject, because that's sad. I, I never want to see it. I hate seeing stories of little children dying so prematurely. But you know what? God bless that little girl's soul. I hope she's in heaven, in paradise, and she doesn't have to deal with this nonsense down here in this world. And I also feel bad for the parents, even though the parents may have somehow been negligent in, you know, their research and, and what they were putting in their daughter's body. You know, at the end of the day, stuff happens, I guess, you know, but may that little girl rest in peace. Next story. Now, here's something that's really odd. What was going on with the FAA today? There is temporary grounding of planes due to a uh, supposed nationwide system failure. Now, I have an uncle that works in the FAA. Um, he used to be an air traffic controller. He has since worked his way up in that agency. I have not had a chance to reach out to him. He lives out in Colorado, out in the Denver area. <clears throat> 
I've been wanting to actually reach out to him, ask him what the heck is going on out there. But, you know, I'll probably get the same answer that you see on the news. Oh, it's just, you know, uh, just a glitch in the system, you know, nothing to worry about, nothing to see here, folks, you know. So I don't know what was going on with the whole FAA thing, but that was pretty nuts. But, you know, supposedly that was going on in the middle of the night. And but what I found interesting, because I watched the sky a lot. While supposedly flights were grounded, I was seeing quite a few airplanes still in the sky. Man, I don't know if that was military. I saw a couple chemtrail planes. That was pretty neat. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to, what to take on that, but whatever. That's kind of an odd thing. You know, and then when you look back about a week, week and a half ago, Florida alone, this was like a day or two before I flew down there. They were having computer issues with their flight, you know, control um communication, I guess, or the software. I don't know exactly to what extent was going on, but <laughs> there was definitely some issues going on there. So, you know, there's something awry going on. And my wife is freaking out that, you know, that something might happen on Friday where she won't be able to fly back home, which I don't know if that's the case. We'll figure it out at that point. But one thing's for sure. I do know that my wife and daughter are in good hands with my, you know, stepdad and my mom. They're armed to the teeth down there. They're prepared, you know, so I'm not too worried. But, you know, the last time this happened, I was just, at, well, just seeing this. Actually, Destry just put it up here on the chat board. I was just about to say this. The last time flights grounded like this, albeit it wasn't for a whole entire day. It was only for, what, maybe a few hours. But the last time they grounded outgoing flights was since 9-11. And he was just saying, Destry was just pointing out on the chat board saying, Deep State's trying to pull another 9-11 event. Yeah, I would not doubt it. All right, next up. Let's see. Harvard offering course about LBGT healthcare for infants. That's a stupid uh, um, article. Um, let's see here. I encourage you, by the way, so this is not part of the Gateway Pundit. I encourage you guys, go to uh, Kirk's Law Corner on Telegram. Join that page. That guy is a wealth of information. I enjoyed listening to him on the Lights of the Roundtable with Susanna. He was talking with Darren Brunson. Um, very good exchange, but he posts some really good stuff. I just reposted something. It's about five pages. It's from the book of the Law of Nations, uh, talking about the restoration of peace and of embassies. Very, very awesome. So he kind of puts you know screenshots on there. Um, very well worth following him because he knows his law, military law, the Constitution, you know, everything. Go over there. And the guy's been studying this stuff since the 90s, okay, mid-90s. Um, I believe you could also find him on Patreon as well. So go check him out. The guy's a great guy. Hopefully one day uh, I can maybe, you know, snag him up from his, you know, busy schedule because I know he's a busy man, as I am, you know, as well. I mean, for crying out loud, I spent half my life behind the wheel of a truck. So there goes half my life already passing gas at gas stations, you know, so he's probably a lot busier than me. So, but hopefully one day I'll get him over here, have a nice, you know, good conversation, even for like 20, 30 minutes, you know, just about, uh, just kind of what's, you know, what's what we see going on, you know, talk about a little law, you know, depending on what's going on in that day or that week or whatever, but the guy knows his stuff. So go check him out. Kirk's law corner. He also has a website, kirkslawcorner.com, which by the way, speaking of websites, go to my website, hisheartline.com. If you want to know more about specific um, topics within the national assembly, you can go to hisheartline.com. And when you go to that website, there is a link at the very top of the page called um, national assembly. Now, if you hover over it, it will bring down a drop-down menu with three other options to pick. One says avoid AVR. That's Anna Von Rice. Another one is Army Training Manual 2000-25. There's a 17-part series in there. 
where I read the entire field training manual 2000-25, which explains how to return a nation from a democracy back to a republic. And then last but not least, underneath that drop down menu, you got the fundamental orders of 1638. But if you actually click on National Assembly itself, there are some key podcasts on there that will help you understand more elements about the National Assembly. You can also go to national-assembly.net. That's national-assembly.net. And there's, uh, I think, four of my shows right there on the front page uh, that Destry put up um, that he felt was very relevant with, uh, you know, when as it pertains to information regarding uh, basic understanding of the assembly. So go check out those websites. All right. Continuing on. Um, let's see here. Biden's White House. That's a joke. Ha! <laughs> FAA, no evidence of cyber attack, but the cause is not clear. Yeah, I'm sure the cause is not clear. Um, let's see here. Next on the Gateway Pundit regarding the same topic, glitches and complications happen all the time, says Pete Buttigieg. He has no idea what went wrong with today's FAA disaster. Pete Buttigieg, for somebody who's supposed to be in charge of the, uh, you know, that section of the government, you have no idea what happened. You know why he doesn't have any ideas? Probably because he's in Gitmo. It's not really the real Buddha judge. Just saying. Next. All right. Let's see here. Second high school student dies suddenly within a week in Las Vegas after suffering from cardiac arrest. Again, folks, young kids and children do not have strokes and cardiac arrest. Wake up. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It gets better. Hold on. It gets better. Hold on. Where did I see it? I just saw it. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Here it is. Here we go. Moderna CEO announces new mRNA shot for heart failure patients to help, quote, grow back new blood vessels, end quote. Well, I wonder why they would want to roll out a new mRNA shot for heart failure. Is it because maybe they're already, they're the ones, they're the culprits that are, um, I don't know, causing the heart failure? Just something to think about. Listen, what do I know? I'm just a truck driver. But what I do know is that these people have a very sinister plan to take out the, a good portion of you know humanity because they know what the hell is coming. I tell you, this is insane. Oh, look, here's another yawn-worthy event. Biden extends COVID emergency as Omicron subvariant XBB.1.5 spreads. Yawn. Is anybody buying this BS? I mean, seriously? Is anybody buying this nonsense? This is stupid. All right, what else we got here? Oh, fireworks. Corinne Jean Jean Pierre spars with Peter Ducey over how classified documents ended up in Joe Biden's private office. Yeah, I wonder how that happened, folks. But yet you guys think that this is a good thing? You guys think having Biden as president is a good thing? I mean, come on. If you still think Biden, first off, is the legit lawful president, go check yourself into a psych ward, please. There's there's that, okay? Now, if you think anything about this administration is real, you you just need to go get on a rubber mat, mat or rubber, you know, raft and just float just float somewhere else. Okay. Get off our shores, get off our land. We don't, we don't need people who think that this administration is doing a great job. They're doing a bang up job, Johnny. 
by golly, they are doing fantastic. He wants to take out gas stoves all across America because he wants to reduce the carbon footprint. Get the hell out of here. Stupid. All right, what else we got here? All right, um, I think that's about it. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm not going to continue wasting time on the Gateway Pundit, but that's just kind of in a nutshell. So there you go. Okay, so let's get into the reading, shall we? And then we're going to continue our reading of the uh, Constitution, Article 1, Section 6 through 10. And then I got three audio pieces I'm going to play from uh, Kirk's Law Corner because he actually brings up a couple things uh, that he mentioned on Monday Monday nights live. And then, uh, and then we'll close it out. We'll have a little discussion. We'll close it out. But again, the reason we're going to read the constitution is because people need to hear it. People need to learn it and people need to comprehend exactly just why these documents are so relevant to the structural foundation of a Republic and why we need to restore this Republic. Remember what Benjamin Franklin said to that reporter, what kind of government have you given us? A republic, if you can keep it. But what was 86th out of the history books is General Lee after that. And there's a reason why they 86th this comment. But after he said that, General Lee said, and if you can't keep your republic, you'll end up with a democracy. Well, Rudy too, too. Now, why was that taken out of the history books? I'll tell you why. The same reason why FDR wanted the field training manual 2000-25 eliminated and all copies destroyed. Because why? It demonized that a democracy is bad. It demonized you know, a democracy and, and elevated a republic. Because that field training manual it shows and explains and teaches... Americans and military, how to restore a nation from a democracy back to a republic. This is what General Douglas MacArthur set off to do when it came to Project Blue Book, also known as Operation Restore America. Again, this has been a very long-standing operation that we are now starting to see the fruits of that labor. All right, let's get into the reading. Isaiah 46, you go pull up my window here. It's not a very long chapter, only 13 verses. So we'll be able to breeze right through this. Not that I'm trying to breeze through the word of God. Let me just make myself clear. Because again, this is one of the reasons why I like to start off the podcast with reading a Bible chapter. All right. Because again, we need to at least spend minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior by reading some scripture and spending some time in prayer. So Isaiah chapter 46 out of the New American Standard Bible. And again, as you all know, ladies and gentlemen, I bounce back and forth from that version to the New American Bible Revised Edition. And just as a disclaimer, okay, as a disclaimer, please hear me loud and clear. All right. I am not a Bible scholar. I am not a priest. I'm not an ordained minister. I'm not a pastor. I'm not any of that. Okay. I'm just a truck driver who loves God, loves Jesus Christ, knows the power of Jesus Christ. And I just want to share my testimony as well as the word of God out there for people like you and me. All right. Because it's so very much important that we center God at the heart of everything in our lives, including our marriages and our households. Because when we center God in around our household and in our marriage and in our life as a whole, that's when God gets centered in America. And that is how you build a strong republic it starts in the home, folks. And if you read 2000-25, it actually emphasizes on the strength of a family unit and a household being one of the founding, you know, one of the important key building blocks to a strong nation. 
All right. So starting with verse one, chapter 46, book of Isaiah. Bel has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their idols have become loads for the animals and the cattle, and the things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary animal. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been carried by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will carry you. I have done it, and I will bear you, and I will carry you, and I will save you. To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me? That we would be alike. Those who lavish gold from the bag and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god, little g-god. They bound down, indeed, they worship it. They lift it on the shoulder, carry it, and set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may shout to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save him from his distress. Remember this, and be assured, recall it to mind, you wrongdoers. Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my plan will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, and the man of my purpose from a distant country. Truly I've spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. I will certainly do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far away from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. And that is the reading of Isaiah chapter 46, verses 1 through 13. Okay. So, the purpose of prophecy. Now, prophecy serves two purposes to prepare believers for the future, number one, and to be a witness to the non believer that God is real. Very simple. Now, prophecies concerning the end times are meant to help us. Okay. Now, Jesus tells us about false prophets will come so that we should not believe and fall victim to false Christ. Okay, that's a little C, by the way. And he, you can reference that in Matthew verse 24, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 26. Now that is God tells us what will happen so that we are not caught off guard and unable to correctly respond to new situations as we seemingly seem to find ourselves doing on a daily basis almost minute by minute in today's society right now, in today's culture and, and you know, in, environment that we find ourselves in, in this information war. Now, all the prophecies about Jesus's life on earth are given to us so that the people can identify who is the true Christ. Now, if we study prophecy, then we know God's plan and can thus follow it. But to the non-believer, God's predictions seem just like any other fortune tellers, right? In their mind. There are many religions and prophets who claim to know the future, blah, 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 right? However, there's only one religion, and that's predictions are 100% accurate. Well, what religion is that? Well, it's not really a religion, but it's just it's Christianity. Followers of Christ. 
And so any prophecy found in the Holy Scriptures about times of the past have been fulfilled historically. Now, for instance, all the prophecies about Cyrus, king of Persia, happened just as Isaiah predicted. And even the person who rejects God cannot dispute, disprove the accuracy of the Bible. And to get around the dilemma of prophecy, they claim that the scriptures were written after the historical events occurred in a position that is quickly undetermined by the Dead Sea Scrolls, yada, yada, yada. But as events in Daniel and Revelation unfold in the future, it will be impossible for people to claim that the Bible was written after the fact. And the, the point is this. This is the point. God is leaving an undeniable proof that he is real through his word. And to the believer, this truth is a comfort guiding us through the uncertain future. And to the non-believer, it is a dreadful fact exposing their sin and lost condition. And so even if all the believers are gone, which may occur, if you believe the rapture will occur, you know, pre-tribulation, the Bible will be God's witness to the world that he is sovereign over all creation. Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of break this down verse by verse, and then we'll get into the other side of the break here, and we'll get into our discussion and some of our sound pieces here. So verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now, false gods are a burden to the their believers. It's only the Lord who actually lessens our load, all right? It's very important, okay? Anybody that says Jesus Christ is a burden, blasphemy, all right? They don't know their head from their elbow. Now, even if one is obedient to all the rituals of a false God, that God is still not able to deliver, and salvation can only be attained through our one and only true God in heaven. Any other means will lead one into a spiritual captivity. And so as we look at verses 3 and 4, God takes responsibility for those in his care and one who enters into the covenant relationship with God by accepting, accepting him as one's Lord, then God takes full responsibility for caring for, providing for, and delivering one. And from one's birth to death, God will perform his duty towards his people. Now, however, to receive this promise, one must take him as one's Lord. Bottom line. Pretty simple. And so as we look at verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, God encourages his people, reminding them that one, that the one they have trusted to deliver them is the one who is above all others. A person can rest assured that God will take care of his people. So in stark contrast to God's ability to deliver, false gods cannot even answer the cries of their own believers. I don't know, for some reason as I read that i just hear little tiny little violin in the background playing so sad but we need to remember that jesus even after his death came and spoke face to face with his believers and is still speaking today to born again believers through the indwelling of the holy spirit there's no other religion that you know no other religion has a god who can speak with its believers just christianity you know, God wants idolaters to recognize this so that they can forsake the false God and turn to him. I really believe that we're at that turning point, hopefully. 
And so as we look at chapter 44, God also uses the accuracy of prophecy to prove that he alone is God. And while others may predict the future, only God's predictions come true. And so one of the purposes of prophecy is to dis demonstrate to the lost that God, hey, hello, knock, 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 God is real. And so as we look at the last three verses, 11, 12, and 13, Cyrus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. His emblem was an eagle, and his kingdom, Persia, was to the east of Israel. Now, as chapter 45 predicted, Cyrus performed God's will towards Jerusalem. There is no excuse for sinner for the sinner. God has made plain his salvation through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in Jerusalem. And God has never hid the path to righteousness or salvation. That would not be a just God. However, one merely has to really look for God, and one will be able to find him, for God is never far away. It's so important people realize that. God is not that far away. Okay. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we're going to continue on this other side where we'll be reading the Constitution, Article 1, and we're going to continue with the rest of Section 6 through 10, and then I got a couple sound bites that we're going to play, and uh, we'll be right back. You are tuned in to the His Hardline Podcast. We will be right back after this short break. We will be right back after this short break. funny i'm like reading the chat here and destry was saying raven airlines in alaska we carry guns chainsaws axes and anything else that we need on the plane there is no security and we never have a problem either surprising how that works out you know <laughs> and he also says this is because many towns have no roads going to them yeah isn't that amazing they could fly in their own state right because, you know, flying from state to state makes a huge difference, right? And we need to have molesters called the TSA to, you know, feel us up. And um, welcome back, Rita. She was on earlier and then she got booted off. She said they're having internet issues. I think you guys are having more issues than just internet. Aren't you guys getting like, shouldn't you guys be building Noah's Ark over there? I mean, you guys are getting pounded with rain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the second flood's coming, but it's only coming to uh, California there. You guys just got pounded. You guys are getting pounded again. I looked out in the Pacific there. You guys got a lot of stuff coming your way. Man, oh, man, oh, man. You guys need to head up for high ground. Get out of get out of town there. I think California's sinking. SOS. <laughs> I'm glad you're on here. I'm glad you're on here. Wow, tornado warnings as well. Wow. Yeah, Destry, you ain't wrong. Making up for the drought. <laughs> Yeah, that's no kidding. But anyway, yeah, it's actually really sad. So I really, I'm we're praying for you. We're going to say a prayer for California because y'all kidding aside, listen, there's some good people out there. And um, remember, California is an assembled state. Okay. Um, 
So we need to keep them in our prayers because that is scary. Uh, I, I don't want to see anybody dealing with um, that kind of, um, you know, natural disasters like that. I mean, it's it's they're, they're getting just hammered with rain right now. So we'll definitely keep Cali in our prayers and surrounding areas. So, um, all right. So moving on. So here's the thing. So now after listening to yesterday's show, um, that, you know, of, of what I did, my show, yesterday's podcast, you know, you'll have to, you know, listen if you haven't already. Um, because like I said, I, I was reading article one and I did uh, sections one through five of the constitution for the United States of America. Now today, like I said, we'll be continuing with article one, section six through 10, which continues to discuss the enumerated powers of the legislature. Now, I played a couple of highlighted pieces from Lights of the Roundtable podcast that was streamed on YouTube last week, Friday, where Kirk Pendergrass and from Kirk's Law Corner was having a healthy exchange with Darren Brunson from the Brunson v. Adams case. All right. And the Supreme Court, that was the one that got kind of turned down on Monday. So basically, in a nutshell, though, what was learned in that exchange was that no matter what threat laid in front of us within this country, the powers of the judicial system, particularly the judges, could not act within the bounds of power, um, you know, that, that um, you know, within the Constitution. All right, especially when it comes to the election stuff. Now, the Brunsons figured that because the 2020 election was not investigated, that this was considered an act of war by enemies and considered a state of emergency within our own borders. And so, therefore, you know, enabled the judges to be able to act because they swore an oath to the constitution. But what he failed to realize in this particular case, and Kirk pretty much explained this, but what he failed to realize is that the fact that the process has to go through the legislature. And if they fail to proceed in that process to investigate, then the next actionable item would be to go through the executive branch, which by the way, I learned this myself because I had no idea, but part of the executive branch is part of the military. Military is part of the executive branch. I had no idea about that. So, we learn that the judges have no subject matter jurisdiction, meaning they can't rule on anything that's election related and therefore rendered them unable to rule in any particular direction regarding this specific case. Now, these are actions that have to be taken by the people and not by judges. This is one of the reasons why we are reading through the Constitution piece by piece in each show so that we have a better understanding and comprehension of the, how the Constitution works and what specific powers each branch of government has, which has been divinely inspired by our Heavenly Father, and put together by we the people. Now, we have to remember this, though, why the Constitution exists. We have to get back to learning and comprehending our founding documents so that we may be able to effectively duplicate the process of restoring and keeping our republic as it was given to us at the founding of this nation. Remember, Again, like I said this earlier, remember what the reporter asked Benjamin Franklin, what form of government have you given us? To which he responded, a republic, if you can keep it. But a part of history that was erased was when General Lee said, and if you can't keep it, you will end up with a democracy. Like I stated at the beginning of the year, I'm resetting myself in many ways, including how I structure this show. 
And yes, the podcast is predominantly structured around God and Jesus Christ and testimonies of what God's power can do, followed up by how we restore this republic and return power back to the people in America. This is one of the many reasons why we are going to go over the Constitution piece by piece. I don't want to read the whole thing in one show because, let's face it, that could be a very sure way to just you know lose interest and bore people and make you fall asleep, especially if you're driving. Wouldn't want to do that. And so I figure the way I take in information seems to be the easiest way for me is, you know, and to be able to retain it is to take it in in digestible bite by bite size pieces. Does that make sense? So, yeah, excuse, yeah, Richard E. Lee said that. General, not generally, sorry, Richard E. Lee. I, I stand corrected. I don't know why I said generally. Probably because I got the the cool orange car with the, uh, you know, rebel flag painted on it on my mind. But yes, Robert E. Lee said it, not generally. Robert E. Lee said, and if you can't keep it, you will end up with a democracy. I stand corrected. Thank you, Destry. This is why I like you being here to correct these little isms here that I happen to have. Okay. Now, um, where was I? So today, like I said, we will be covering Article 1, Section 6 through 10, followed by Article 2 tomorrow in the Constitution. Um, and at some point we will, you know, down the road, go over the Declaration of Independence. And then I want to go over the fundamental orders of 1638 again and so on and so forth. We're going to be covering little pieces of these documents as well as going over the contempt of the Constitution piece by piece. Now, I did a whole show on this, which I read the whole entire thing. But again, to try to keep this digestible and easy to consume and retain, I'm going to talk, you know, break these things down piece by piece and why it's so important. And so, um, and if you want to learn more, uh, like I said, we will be going over the handbook as well, which is how to form an assembly. And all this information is actually readily available to you on national-assembly.net. Again, it's national-assembly.net. You know, this information isn't hidden from you and it's not riddled with legalese jargon, which is hard to comprehend. It's very important you understand that. It's very readily available and it should be easily uh, comprehensible to the common man and woman. It is structured so that, the you know, like I said, common people can read it and comprehend it and, you know, be able to know what is written so that, you know, we may be able to successfully apply the knowledge within these pages. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is no other real remedy of how we write this ship. Our power is inherent through the body politic of we the people, and we are the only way to the restoration of our nation's republic. If it was that easy, we would have 10 million people assembling their nation, you know, assembling their states nationwide right now. But instead, those same 10 million people took what seemed to be the easy way out, which was sold to them in a bill of goods and packaged up in such a fashion that shows them how to avoid paying taxes rather than help America become truly free and break loose from the enslavement system that the cabal has set up and ultimately would break us away from, you know, having to pay unconstitutional federal and state income taxes and property taxes, which, let's be honest, is theft and a pilfering of Americans' pocketbooks. But instead, they took the path of selfishness and a fast way to basically self-serve themselves, which, let's be honest, does not come to the aid in helping America restore its republic. Tell me this. 
tell me this. Can anyone tell me? Please indulge me. I'll even invite you on the show. Can anyone tell me just exactly how status correcting, which is BS, by the way, but how does status correcting or correcting one's status help assist in aid in restoring America's Republic? I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll wait. Please enlighten me. I'll gladly give you five minutes of airtime where I keep my mouth shut to make your case. But I promise you, when that five-minute timer rings, your nonsensical point is going to be destroyed in seconds. Because let me tell you, status correcting does not restore the republic. Again, question, what rights do state nationals have in a republic? National doesn't exist. That's shit made up by the corporation. It didn't, the word national didn't even exist as a noun until 1878 after the Reconstruction Acts. And the only place to find national is in the United States Code. That's the corporate bylaws. That's not law. What we have here in America, in this nation, in international law, we have inhabitants and we have citizens. In our republic, we have inhabitants, the people, and the citizens. That's it. That's all we have. We don't have any other terms. And their statuses doesn't exist. So the sooner you folks read, comprehend what you're reading, and learn, the better off we're going to be. Get away from anybody who talks about becoming a national, changing your status to a national. Run very fast and far away from them. It's a trap. Those are the ones we're trying to get away from. The monarchy. Right? That's who we're separating from. The corporation's been dissolved. Bankrupted. Done. It's over. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's right. Run from anybody who's trying to get you to do a status correction. Okay. Let's get into the reading of the rest of Article 1 of the Constitution, Section 6. <clears throat> the senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. No senator or representative shall during the time for which he was elected be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States, which shall have been created or the emoluments whereof shall have been 
increased during such time, and no person holding any office under the United States shall be a member of either house during his continuance of office. Section 7. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may, propo- uh, may propose or occur, concur, excuse me, concur with amendments as on other bills. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it become a law, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approved, he shall sign it. But if not, he shall return it with his objections to that House in which it shall have originated, who shall enter the objections at large on their journal and proceed to reconsider it. If after such reconsideration, two-thirds of the House shall agree to pass the bill, it shall be sent together with the objections to the other House by which it shall likewise be reconsidered. And if approved by two-thirds of that House, it shall become a law. But in such in all such cases, the votes of both houses shall be determined by yeas and nays, and the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each house respectively. If any bill shall not be returned by the president within 10 days, remember, guys, well, 10 days, Sundays accepted. After it shall have been presented to him, the same shall be a law in like manner as if he had signed it, unless the Congress, by the adjournment, prevent its return, and which case it shall not be a law. Every order, resolution, or vote to which the concurrence of the Senate and House of Representatives may be necessary, except on a question of adjournment, shall be presented to the President of the United States, and before the same shall take effect, shall be approved by him, or being disapproved by him, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the Senate and House of Representatives, according to the rules and limitations prescribed in the case of a bill. Section 8. Hold on, I'm just reading the chat board just for a quick second. Somebody was asking, wasn't Lincoln a lawyer certified by the bar before he became president? Yeah, he was a lawyer who was a bar card holding lawyer. That's why, um, That's why. Uh, well, quite frankly, the South got pissed off and, and, and left without adjourning properly because he accepted an office in the United States, which according to the constitution, if you hold a title of nobility, or if you're a bar card holding attorney, you're not allowed to hold any office in America. Well, Lincoln took the ultimate office and pissed a lot of people off. Excuse my language, but he did. Section eight. And, and, oh, and just for clarification too, cause Destry put up here, I, I want to read this, but both houses means, House of Delegates and House of Statesmen. Both houses mean House of Delegates and House of Statesmen. That's what's being talked about here. House of Delegates and House of Statesmen. Section 8. Article 1, Section 8. The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, uh, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, but all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. To borrow money on a credit, 
of the United on the credit of the United States to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes to establish an uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies through the United States to coin money, regulate the value thereof and of foreign coin and fix the standard of weights and measures. I'm pretty sure the Federal Reserve is not part of the legislative branch, guys. Just FYI. But yet they're coining money. How? I think we all know the answer to that. Continuing. To provide for the punishment of counterfeiting for securities and current coin of the United States to establish post office offices and post roads to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors to the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries to constitute tribunal tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court. Did you hear that? It's one of the powers of the legislative body to constitute tribunals inferior to the superior court. Hmm. That's interesting. To define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations. Let's read that again. To define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations. And what did I just tell you on Telegram? This is why you should probably go follow Pen, uh, Kirk, Kirk, K-I-R-K, Pentagrass, okay, over at Kirk's Law Corner on, Pen, uh, on Telegram, okay? He just, not that long ago, posted from uh, the Law of Nations book number four, which discusses the restoration of peace and of embassies, chapter one. There's a screenshot with five pages. Law of Nations, go check it out. Continuing to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water, to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money to that use shall be for a longer term than two years, to provide and maintain a navy, to make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the nation, suppress insurrections and repel invasions. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we definitely have an invasion internally here. We do have an insurrection. Hmm. To provide organizing, arming and disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving the states respectively, the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. To exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district, not exceeding 10 square miles, as may be session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress, become the seat of the government of the United States and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foreign powers and all other powers vested by this constitution in the government for of the United States or in any department of officer or officer thereof. 
Section 9. The migration or importation of such persons as any of the state now existing shall think proper to admit shall not be prohibited by the Congress prior to the year 1808, but a tax or duty may be imposed on such importation, not exceeding $10 for each person. The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless... When in case of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. No bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. No cap capitation or other direct tax shall be laid unless in proportion to the census or enumeration herein before directed to be taken. No tax or duty shall be laid on articles exported from any state. No preferences shall be given by any regulation of commerce or revenue to the ports of one state over those of another, nor shall vessels bound to or from one state be obliged to enter, clear, or pay duties in another. No money shall be drawn from the treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law and a regu regular statement and account of the res receipts and exped uh, expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. Section 10, Article 1, Section 10, Last Section. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of mark and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver, coin, a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligations of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. No state shall, without the consent of the Congress, that would be we the people in the assembly, lay any imposts or duties on imposts or exports, imports or exports, except what may be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection laws and the net produce of all duties and imposts laid by any state or imposts or imports or exports shall be for the use of the treasury of the United States and all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control of the Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement of compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So that is the second half of Article 1 section six through 10. And tomorrow we will read article two, which again talks about the executive power, article two, the executive power. So lot there to digest. I definitely would suggest maybe pushing the rewind button and listen to that again. Now, a couple things I do want to go back and play from uh, Kirk's Law Corners Live that he did on Monday. He does them typically every Monday, and I believe he has a workshop that he does that you can go to Patreon, subscribe to him, and, um, you know, you know, do, uh, you know, work on his, uh, you know, participate, there we go, in the workshops that he does, which basically helps 
further your knowledge in history and other uh, things that he has created content for, which is his intellectual property. Um, you can go over there and learn things that you will not even learn at, you know, Hillsdale College. Okay. So one thing he was talking about here is, um, again, how DC is a foreign occupied territory. Let's listen to what he had to say on this. So make no mistake. It already went to the executive right after that, which is exactly why Trump activated the National Guard in March and why all the fencing and all that stuff went up around uh, Washington, D.C. And, and around the White House and all that stuff because that became a foreign-occupied territory under the Law of War Manual. Okay, so there's we, we have to comprehend history of this and and how far back this stuff goes you know there's three ancient testimony trusts on admiralty jurisdiction that go back as late as, as mid to late 1400s okay so we have to come comprehend that the military or the militia is what it's really called the militia what is its intended purpose is to defend us and then we get into around 1553 there with the uh merchant marines again the civil power is subordinate to or pardon me the military is subordinate to the civil power what that means is us our powers and they're subordinate to us. But how do we claim and exercise that power? Right? That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's what I'm trying to teach people. And I didn't realize how powerful this right, this power is, up until here just a, a couple years ago now. Okay, when I found Lex Parliamentary Americana and been reading through that and the history of the American common law, and where this right of petition comes from, and more, moreover, of how our Republican form of government is supposed to be. And why? Why is a key? That's right. Now, I don't know if you paid attention to what he just said there, how the military is subordinate to the civil power. Okay. And Destry was just saying right here, many people do not understand that we have to go into the war manuals. We have been under martial law since General Order 100 of 1863, but yet you got some people out there. That was after 1863. That was the end of his comment, by the way. But you have some people out there that say, oh, well, you know, you don't want to see what this country is going to look like if we're in martial law. Well, Duh, if you knew history and you knew exactly what history showed and what who did what at what point in time in the history, we have been under martial law since 1863. Since Abraham Lincoln. Hello. So, I know I've said this story before. I'll say it again. I'll keep it short. When I was in El Paso, I was staying at a hotel because there, you know, there's a, a base down there, Fort Bliss. Okay. 
I was down there hauling fuel from El Paso to Albuquerque. The hotel I was staying at was just, just they had so many people with the National Guard and active duty army that were staying there. Well, I became friends with a good group of them. Play cornhole together, go swimming, you know, we cooked out, had, you know, drank together. I mean, there's nothing else to do. It was during 2020. It was during COVID, literally at the height of that scamdemic. We're sitting around the fire having some beer, and I asked them. I'm the only civilian now in this group among 10, 12 guys. And I asked them after a few beer, you know, brews, I said, Hey, so which one of you brutes has the most uh you know, holds the highest ranking here. And they kind of like looked at each other. Some of them looked at each other a little dumbfounded at, you know, my question. And and one of them looked at me and he said, well, technically you do. I was like, what? And he says, yeah, technically you actually hold the highest rank out of all of us. Now, this is before I joined the assembly. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I just kind of looked at him like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, all right, whatever. Took a sip of my beer and continued on with the next subject. Didn't think nothing of it until I started learning history. I started reading. I started getting engulfed in some of the documents. I started realizing exactly. I started learning what we haven't been taught in our public indoctrination systems called public schools. And I started realizing, holy cow, this guy was not kidding. The military is subordinate to the civil power. And like Destry was saying, this is why we issued in assembly, the people in assembly issued the 21 requisitions to the military. People, I don't know how else to spell this out. I don't know if I, if I need to draw this on a marker board or I need to make some sort of crappy, you know, cartoon sketch to explain that we, the people, ladies and gentlemen, hold the power. The military is subordinate to the civil power. However, they are still running the show until we can reseat enough seats in the, in the de jure government where we return to original jurisdiction. We need 38 states. Hello. We got 16. Who's going to be number 17? Will it be Idaho and Kirk State? Will it be Minnesota? Or will it be Washington? I don't know. Texas, come on, we're still waiting on you. What's going on down there in Texas? Who's going to be the 17th? Come on, that's that's one. Look, some people race to be number one. And some people love to be last. But who is going to push for being number 17? Come on now. That's going to be a badge of honor. I don't know why, because it's 17, you know. But yeah, I couldn't. I, I, when I started learning this stuff, though, all kidding aside, I started reflecting on that conversation I had with that group of men, with those group of men. When they told me, you technically hold the highest rank over us. And yes, to be clear, Destry was saying one guy is not civil power. It's the body politic of people in lawful assembly in the is the civil power. If you got one guy going around, touting around, hey, you know who I am? I'm 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 a man in the assembly. You need to listen to me. You're gonna find yourself in jail.
you're going to find yourself probably beaten and then in jail and then beaten again. So, again, it's the body politic of the people in lawful assembly. That's the civil power. Last um, last soundbite from Kirk's Law Corner. Back our republic. I mean, we need to reassemble government de jure. Okay? We have government de facto. We're at war. It's a total freaking chaotic mess out there. So, trying to bring unity, trying to round up the good American patriots here who want to do this right, lawfully, and work with some people who already know and who already are doing it and have been doing it for years. Okay? So, there is a change of status, but it's a change of status to the people. And that requires a covenant unto God and an oath, which is back to biblical, that there is no firmer bond among men than an oath. So the covenant is unto God right there. But I just read from the law of nature, laws of nature, okay, is everything is in reverence to God. That's right. Everything is in reverence to God. Destry just referenced here Isaiah 49.8. You know what? Just for the sake of it, since we're, I mean, we're, we'll probably get, we're going to get to it in a few days, but we'll skip ahead here. We'll, let's, let's go read it real quick. 49.8. Here it is. This is what the Lord says at a favorable time. I answered you and on a day of salvation, I helped you and I will watch over you and make you a covenant of the people to restore the land, to give as inheritances the deserted hereditary lands. Now, again, that's the New American Standard Bible. Every Bible has something different. But again, it's there's the key part there is I will watch over you and make you a covenant of the people and to restore the land. That would be Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. Check it out. So, if you live in a state that's not assembled, you got some work to do. If you want to find out if your state's assembled, you go to national-assembly.net. You can go in the forums. And you can get in contact with people in your local state, and your counties. Start assembling. It's time to get organized. Folks, we got 16. We need 38 to reach three quarters of the 50 states. We got a lot of work ahead of us still. If you want to escape this nightmare 
of the Biden regime, or I forgot what Destry called it, nightmare on, uh, was it Pennsylvania Avenue? I think is what he calls it. If you want to escape this nightmare, you got to get involved with your assembly, folks. You need 30 people to start assembly, a, a state assembly. You need 30 people. Now, what would be ideal is if there's a couple of states next to each other that are about close to assembling, so then it wouldn't take that much resources and money and time, either Destry or Paul or Joe could travel in a weekend and help in a long weekend, of course, assemble two states. If Kirk got his stuff together and got enough people in Idaho and then we got the people in Washington State, that would be boom, boom, right there, 1718. It's 20 more to go. It's not too bad. There's many that are close, I believe. We'll get there. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You need to push shows like this one out. You need to push out his hard line. You got to send it. Copy the link. Send it via text. Send it via email. Put it in your Telegram. Put it in your Rumble. Put it wherever. Put it wherever. Facebook. Twitter. If somebody's talking about the National Assembly and you hear the website national-assembly.net and you hear the name Destry or you hear... You know, anything of that nature, the same stuff that I'm talking about here. Okay, Lights of the Roundtable, we'll be talking about it. Kirk's Law Corner, we'll be talking about it. Power, Passion, Freedom from Lena, we'll be talking about it. You push those voices out. Here's another thing I'm going to put, I'm going to say. There is no room for egos and pride. See, the other problem that it seems to plague mankind is somebody always wants to be a savior. Someone wants their name to be recognized. They want to be the one that leaves their mark on the world. Here's where I'm at with it. Excuse my French. I'm going to say a naughty. But I don't give a shit where my name ends up. I just don't want it being drugged through the mud. That's all I know. I don't care where my name ends up. I don't care if it's in the history books or not. In fact, there's not really much I'm doing, but there are a lot of other fine men and women who have done so much for this great nation that they will have their names in the history books. I think Destry will be one of them. Um, Robert Gilman will be another one. There are many. Here's all I want. I just want to be part of the little, you know, be part of this giant mechanism that's going toward restoring this republic. I want to see freedom. I want to see our sovereignty return. I want to see liberty. Because I just want my daughter and my future grandchildren and other people and their children and their future generations to live in a free nation. I want to be able to die an old, old man, see all this through, right? I want to die an old man. And when I get up to heaven, I want to be able to look my Savior in the eye, look God in the eye, and I want to be able to honestly answer him when he, if he asked, what did you do to improve my kingdom? I want to be able to answer honestly and just say, you know, I just did the best I could pushing your word out 
sharing my testimony while at the same time spreading good information out about how to how to remind people who they are and where they come from and what they need to do to restore the republic which ultimately will bring peace to the world that's all i want i just want to be able to be entering heaven and see my future generations live free Destry said the same thing. I don't care about my name in the books. He just wants a better world for his descendants. And he just wants to be left alone. You know how many people who do great things and have been doing great things in the assembly, they say the same thing. I'm going to leave his last name out because, you know, he's a private guy, but Paul is one of the guys that goes around to help, you know, people in their states assemble. He said the same thing to me one day on a phone conversation. He goes, I just want to be able to just... Get this done and go right off in the sunset and just be left alone. It's tiring. Nobody cares about notoriety. Nobody cares about their name being in the history books. Nobody cares about any of that. They just want to be left alone. They just want to be free and be left alone. That's it. Don't trespass on my life. Just leave me alone. That's all they want. That's all I want. For me and my kids and her kids and so on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. We pray for California. Help. Give him some, you know, relief. Give him a break. But uh, we do pray for them. We thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for another day of life and good health, not just for ourselves, but our family. Thank you for the knowledge you, you bring to us. We ask that you keep helping us endure this battle. Help us be able to discern truth from uh, falsities. And we just ask you, just be that shining light, be that beacon of light that we can follow. We need it through this uh, darkness we got going on. We need your help more than anything, Father. All right, we can't do this on our own. And we ask for forgiveness and re we repent of our sins not just individually, but as a nation. We will do our absolute best to help right this ship and to put you back at the center of everything we do. Just show us the way and we will follow. We pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is all I have for you folks today on this Fine Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. And so, yeah, I hope uh, I hope California can dry out. Man, oh man, you guys are getting pounded with some rain. I tell you, that sucks. But uh, you guys will get through it. I know, I know you will. We'll all get through it. So. You know, in the meantime, just keep praying to God. Spend at least 15 minutes a day starting at 
preferably at the start of your day, because that's the best way to start your day is with God. Read, you know, even just a few verses out of the Bible and spend some time in, uh, you know, spend some time in uh, in prayer. 15 minutes, 1% of your 24-hour day. That's it. 1%. That's it. So I hope you all have a good day, good night, wherever you're at in the world. And remember, remain firm, remain steadfast, and remain uncompromising. Okay? Hold that line. Push the enemy back on their side. Because we're not putting up with their nonsense anymore. Turn to God. Invite Christ in your heart. Let's restore this republic. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you back here tomorrow. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in here at His Heart Line. Really appreciate you. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family. Just copy the link, shoot it via text. You could share it on social media. I don't care if you got to put it up in smoke signals, just get it out there. And don't forget to check out the website, www.hisharline.com. And join us here every single day. We operate six out of the seven days a week. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget, Don't forget. sovereignty itself sovereignty is of course not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, Sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. We'll see you back here next time.